hosted by Emmy-winning comedian and writer Jeff Cesario. Interviewing guests from comedy, entertainment, and sports. Plus, legendary sportscaster Chet Waterhouse. Don't worry, this shouldn't take longer than your average trip to Costco. And now, here's your host, Jeff Cesario. Welcome to Play With Pain. This is the first show ever, I got the right guest for this, where I am actually uh, opening the show as me, uh, which is, uh, it's a bit uh, nerve-wracking. I never thought I'd... (laughs) My guest today, uh, I know, uh, well, he started as a stand-up, was successful at that, pivoted to uh, television sitcom writing, he was successful at that. Then he pivoted to book writing and big fancy uh, thick book writing word stuff. And he's now a New York Times bestseller, Matt Goldman. Matt's going to be joining us in just a sec. We're going to be talking about uh, sports and worst gigs and uh, and pivoting. He's done it nine times, for God's sake. But first, uh, Chet, uh, you got a sports update for us? No, brother, do I? Time for the Waterhouse Update, sponsored by Cole Slaughter. We murder cabbage for a killer side dish. March Madness, North Carolina beats Duke and Coach Kershevsky's a man. Am I glad he's retiring? 40 years, that's enough of that name. Why didn't they tweak that at Ellis Island for God's sake? Anyway, the new guy's name is Shire. That's a much more acceptable consonant to vowel ratio. UCLA beat USC on the Trojan campus. All BMW convertibles flying at half mast. Two teams already in Loyola of Chicago and Longwood. Longwood? Wasn't he in Magic Mike? That wrap-up sponsored by Floorgasm. The floor wax so shiny, you'll shudder with desire. NBA, the Grizzlies, like a fat German in a hot tub, they just keep coming at you. Meanwhile, the Lakers are so old, Matt, for their in-flight movie, they chose Murder, she wrote. That item sponsored by Eggclectic. A dozen eggs, a dozen different birds. NFL, Aaron Rodgers re-signs for another four years in Green Bay. That explains all the vomiting last week. Denver Broncos acquire Russell Wilson from Seattle for three starters, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, 500 ski passes to Breckenridge, and a lifetime supply of killer weed. America's pastime. Now, not cheating at Wordle. Baseball lockout negotiations at a standstill, said the Ukrainians. Interesting. Do you have a minute? And finally, this week in sports history, the year 1945. The place, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. George Nissen receives a patent for the first modern trampoline said his wife outside with that thing this waterhouse update sponsored by dick tuckers women's clothes for men back to you jeff well uh thank you chet that was uh that was pretty good i like that one (laughs) my guest today uh full disclosure old friend uh hilarious guy with a great pedigree in tv you shifted the books we're going to talk about that he's just crushing it matt goldman matt how are you today good jeff man it's good to see you yeah, good to see you. Uh, let's take this chronologically because I'll lose my place if I don't do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, y- y- you start. Uh, did you have an eye at the beginning that you might be writing books or did it? Ch- was it just a path that opened up for you as 
life presented itself? No, it was always a dream, a hope. Yeah. I always hope to get that way to, to that place. I'm a, I'm a late bloomer in everything I do. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't see stand up as a stepping stone to that. I saw stand up just as stand up. And, uh, and, you know, one thing just led to another, you know, I did stand up. I, I enjoyed it, but I loved the writing part way more than the performing part. Right. And I just kind of partially with uh, on your council moved to Los Angeles and I dented up Ford Escort in 1987 and found my way into the TV writing business. And, you know, in the TV writing business, they pay you. So I stuck around a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good <laughs> stand up a little less so. <laughs> a little less so and and more so than the book world, at least for most of us. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, so you're starting to stand up. You start in Minneapolis. Uh, clearly, your writing's top caliber. A lot of guys interested, a lot of comics interested in your writing. You get to L.A. What presents itself that says, hmm, there's a little niche. Maybe I'll shoot into, into, into TV writing. What was the first gig? Well, there were a couple of little gigs that uh, some mutual friends of ours, agents, pocket clienteded me, which means I wasn't officially signed to the agency, but they heard of some work and they they connected me with the producers and it worked out. Little things like punching up jokes on game shows and things like that. Right, but my first right. big break was was Seinfeld. And you how know, did I you slide it? Yeah. What did he see work? Did he Well, I when I lived in Minneapolis, uh I opened for Jerry at the Comedy Gallery. 10 shows in one week, you know, this is pre Seinfeld, the show. So he had a, he was far from being a household name, but he was known in the stand-up world from his appearances on the tonight show and Letterman. Right. right. And uh, yeah, 10 sold out shows in one week and we became friends. And then I wrote a play with Pat Hazel that Jerry really liked called uh, bunk bed brothers. And when, when uh, that was, that was two, Two brothers move back home or or visit back home. Two brothers return to their childhood home to celebrate their parents' twenty fifth anniversary, and the house is full of relatives, so they have to share their old bedroom, which has half been turned into a sewing room. And their dad says, "Listen, all this stuff, take what you want with you. The rest of it's going to the goodwill. It's a two act play. It's before they go to the anniversary party and when Uh they come back." And they're going through their stuff. And it's really about their relationship. Uh, that's what drives the thing. But it's just a bunch of jokes. It's too stand-up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. An honest writer. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a bunch of jokes. There's some emotional underpinning, <laughs> but pretty much. It's we're a selling bunch of tickets on the jokes. <laughs> yeah. We went and bought, we, we went to thrift stores and found all our old toys, like the visible man, oh, the clear guy wow. and Nerf guns and everything we had, had when we were little. And we just wrote jokes about them. And, and, you know, at that play ran in several cities. It got great reviews. We yeah. Film deal with Sony TriStar out of it. And when that fell apart, we got a, TV deal with, with NBC. Yeah. So now, so that's, that gives you a little bit of a, of a, of a, of scaffolding yeah. on which to then go to Seinfeld as he's starting up, whatnot. And, uh, and something works out. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, Pat, who I wrote the play with was, was 
and still is a stand-up. And the Seinfeld Chronicles had those stand-up interstitials. Mm. And Pat would go work with Jerry to work out those stand-up bits. And I right. focused more on script writing. And uh, and then I was in the TV writing club after that. So once you're in, yeah. you're in for, for a while anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, got, you got a solid eight years exclusivity. Yeah. Yes, you do. Before you're on the trading block. <laughs> yeah, it's like winning the Masters. You're just in for a while. After right. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got a 10-year exemption card. But then yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, injury, uh, injured reserve list. You're yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brother. Hey, guys, that was sponsored by the Dollar Confederate Statue Store. Oh, that's nice to know, Chet. Thank you. <laughs> now, uh, has it come full circle for you? Does because uh, now you've got the books, you've got a series of books and really you're shot out of a cannon here. They really, the first one's published in, in 2017. Mm-hmm. These are all featuring a, a uh, private investigator named Nils Shapiro. Yeah. Which I'm guessing is a combination of the fact that you grew up in Minnesota. So you have the Scandinavian and then yeah. you have the Jewish last name. Yeah. I, I am actually named after a Swedish immigrant and, uh, and so I wanted to do that for Nils. Uh, and it's not so obvious with a name like Matt. So I yeah, I went through my Swedish friend's names, you know, in Minnesota. Like my books, uh, when my editor sent them out for foreign publication, both Sweden and Norway passed because they said my books were too Scandinavian. You know, I am not Scandinavian. <laughs> uh, I've never been to Scandinavia. But I just wrote about Minnesota. Fortunately, Sweden has changed their mind, and now the books are published there. Which have have they been to Solvang and places like that? Do they understand <laughs> more Swedish is better Swedish? Do they not? I don't. How do they not? I don't know. They, I guess, <laughs> and the Swedes and the, and the Norwegians are like the kings of noir. You know, Scandinavian noir is it. So I'm happy to be included in their in their right, little right. collection. Yeah. Oh, so maybe they were just vetting you. <laughs> until <laughs> until the reviews came in and they said all right he's cool yeah. enough to have enough an obscure show written on some streaming platform about us <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah the first four books are, are are a private detective the first three set in minnesota the last one the fourth he goes to la now uh, we're going to dive in on that a little bit but uh when in the tv world did you say, eh, I'm out? <laughs> you know, it. what happened was 16, 17, 18 years ago, TV got really good with The Sopranos and The Wire. Right, Breaking right. Bad, House of Cards, you know, Network TV, yeah. Homicide, The Good Wife. I mean, it got great, but they were all dramas. Yeah. But it, it changed the landscape of Hollywood. You know, it had always been, you want to work in film, and if you can't work in film, yeah. work in tv right but those shows changed that because there wasn't good character work in film anymore uh because of the finding the the dynamics of that industry so but then tv tried to be cool uh tv comedy tried to be cool and you know comedy <laughs> <laughs> we know we know is not cool it you should know, never like ralph, try to be cool <laughs> ralph, no you know like ralph cramden not a cool guy and <laughs> lucille ball and fraser crane and George Costanza, they're idiots, they're morons. But right. we like them because they represent that part of ourselves. But when they tried to make TV cool, and there were some great shows 
like 30 Rock and, uh, but they're really great writing, really great actors, great joke writing. But to me, they weren't very compelling on a human level. Right. And so I started to lose interest and thought maybe I should be writing drama. That's what I'm mostly watching. And uh, I started reading crime fiction to do my research. And I'd never, I've always been a big reader, but never crime fiction. I, uh, you know, I'd see people carrying those books at the airport. I called them big font <laughs> books, <laughs> like the Da Vinci Code and Gone Girl. And I'm like, whoa, that, I, I think I'm too highbrow for that. Meanwhile, I'm writing sitcoms. You know, I don't know where that came from. But, <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, but then well, I fell you in know, love. The bar looks higher when you're. <laughs> When you're staring yeah. up at it from this close, you know, you go, oh, sitcom. Yeah. And then you look over there and you go, hey, who's that <laughs> author with his name and giant bold type on the front of the book? What's the title? Yeah, forget it. Yeah, exactly. But, then, you know, then I found this thing in crime fiction, which is like when you have a crime at the center of your story, dead body, clues coming along, phone rings. Hey, we got the prints off the gun. It really frees up some time for your characters to be people and you can just focus on their lives and their relationships. Right. So, and, so a strong central engine sort yeah. of took some of the weight off of perhaps the story element of, of it did. The characters yeah, didn't have to yeah. carry the whole weight of the story. Right. Right. Stuff was happening around. Right, them. Right. Uh, and, uh, and so I just kind of fell in love with it. And I had like a three month window. I was splitting my time between Minneapolis and LA. I knew I was going to go work on a show in May. It was January colder than hell. And both of my kids had just gone back for their second semesters of college. And I just sat down and I wrote Gone to Dust, the first book. Wow. How long did it take you? Uh, three and a half months. Jeez. That's, I would think, pretty fast. It, it is in the book world. But if you combine a TV writer's work ethic with a Midwestern work ethic. Right. And not, and, and not being good at anything else in life. It's a, <laughs> I, I like such find a better spin laser focused. How's that laser focused? Yes, thank you. Uh, you you spit so, it out in three and a half months. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. And then I didn't tell my Hollywood agents because I thought somehow they'll put their stink on it. You know, they'll try to make it a TV show before it's a book, which I've seen happen several times. Oh with my author. god author friends and then uh i just blind queried agents in new york and i found a great one and and uh yeah my fifth book which is not a nils book is coming out right. in may yeah with a uh, more italian first name joey i believe joey, joey green. that's joey right green. green yeah not italian but but close, well, close you're, yeah. you're inching your way <laughs> yeah Towards a full-blown mob book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so now you got four successful books. They're uh, rave reviews. Um, Neil Shapiro getting a lot of cred for, uh, as you might expect, but still tough to deliver, I would think, on the page, especially in a book. Snappy repartee. You know, we... we we tend to lose that, I think, in a lot of modern crime drama. You know, I go back and I look at The Thin Man. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I look at some of those great 40s and 50s, even Maltese Falcon. You look yeah. at s- some of the dialogue between Sidney Greenstreet, you know, and uh, and everybody, literally, <laughs> uh, yeah. is just razor sharp and funny, despite some very serious underpinnings. 
you seem to have revived a little bit of that. I know Carl Hyassen and people like that have, yeah. have certainly, you know, specialized in that, but it's nice to see it coming back again in a strong form. That seems to be a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot of the cred that the books are getting is, is based on a strong central carrier that people just want to see more and more of. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. I, and I don't think there's drama if there's not comedy, uh, Shows and books that are just so heavy and, and, you know, it's just human nature to, to, to find, to find humor in a dark situation. Um, You know, in the TV world, the Sopranos, Breaking Bad, they're hilarious, those shows. Well, I I just remember uh, in the the year I spent at Larry Sanders, uh, Gary Shandling wrote on a sort of a dramatic platform. Yeah, he, he wrote essentially drama. What are these people looking for? Why do they want it now? What is their selfish agenda? You know, and then you throw that in a room and suddenly you're like, oh, I don't have to work on the machinations of this. I can just go. Why does Hank want to get out of the room so fast? He's got right. an orange juice commercial. You know what I mean? It's yeah. so so. That was such a, and not a lot of sitcoms are written like that. <laughs> so, so it was really gratifying to learn that, even though I, I couldn't apply it to any other sitcom, but just from a story standpoint, the, the humor will come out. Gary, I said, the humor is going to come out, but write it like a drama with some, some hits and some emotions and, and then go to the comedic element of the emotion. Yes. And, and I think you're right. I think humans do that to survive horrible situations. Yeah. And it's what made Seinfeld work. At least when Larry David was there, they, people say that show is about nothing. It was about selfishness. Yeah. It's about that nothing was... being the most important thing in their world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's about yeah. something. <laughs> and it, it is. And then we all have those, you know, we've all left a message for somebody that we regretted. We've all, had a boss we hated we all wanted to to do something terrible to that boss most of us are human beings and don't do it but on Seinfeld they they did it which is what right. made it funny but it always started in a very real place you're about to make love to a beautiful woman but you really have to take a dump and the bathroom's right next to the bedroom so you just right. leave. <laughs> those exactly. I mean those are very real situations yeah 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 and and, and- uh, I remember Jerry once saying, uh, because he was so frustrated, you know, the show was so successful and, and it really, and had come into the television world through sort of a side door, uh, through, through a late night deal where they split mm-hmm. up a two hour special into four and a half hours. And Jerry really pushed for that. And then it became this massive hit, probably the biggest sitcom of the modern era, without a doubt. And he had sort of, clearly laid out a new template yes and then he he, i remember talking to him once he was so frustrated because he said like nobody followed it (laughs) you know no went back to writing you know however they used to correct because people remember oh there there's these huge stories where each character has their own story and then they dovetail in some crazy way at the end of the story and it's crazy but no one remembers how that show started Four right. characters looking for a car in a parking garage. That was the whole episode. Right. Four characters sitting at a table waiting for a, in a Chinese restaurant, waiting for a table. That's how that you 
not until you got to know those characters and know them well, could one lie to a woman and say he's a marine biologist and another <laughs> one hit a golf ball into the ocean that <laughs> lands in a whale spout and the whale washes up on shore and somebody says, there's a marine biologist here. Like <laughs> you can't yeah. start in that place. You have yeah, to right, right. earn your way. You have to, you have to earn it. You have to get there one season at a time. Yeah. Just, just, just human nature. I think uh, better things, Pamela Adlon show is, is, yeah. is a great example of someone picking up that mantle, taking the baton and really, and really continuing. Mm-hmm. With it. So you're, so you're approaching the plot lines of your, of your, of your books that way with, with, with some real hardcore human nature pain. Yeah. And I write completely inside out. out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't outline. I don't, it, it, it surprises a lot of people, but a lot of mystery and thriller writers don't outline. Uh, Why is I that? think, well, I've written on over 500 episodes of TV. Everyone has gone through an <laughs> outline process. If for no other reason than you're tired as shit of outlines. That's well, a good enough reason at that point. You, but but I'm sure in that more. room, I mean, yeah you'll go through three or four drafts of an outline before the writer's room is happy with it. Then you send it to the studio and you go through another three or four drafts. Then you send it to the network and you do it all over again. And then you get this outline that supposedly 200 people think is fantastic. And the writer writes the script based on the outline script sucks because the the characters are not up on their feet. They're not creating story from the inside out. You think of this story using the same part of your brain with which you make a shopping list. And then you try to hammer those characters in the place to make them fit. And <laughs> Into then the they, shop, yeah. their truth falls away. Yeah. So their so, reality goes away. Yeah. So you will start with a character and let him or her dictate yeah. to you what happens next. Yeah. Or I'll start with one situation, put my characters in it in motion let them react honestly, and that generates story. And so, so, so there may be some tools, though, from stand-up and sitcom writing that cross over into the into the uh, novel toolkit. Almost all of them. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I'd always been a big reader, and I'd always paid attention to prose. I mean, embarrassingly slow reader. I always have been because I'm always <laughs> looking at sentence structure and where people put commas and don't put commas. And yeah. And so that part you don't learn if you read a TV or film script or, or, or a transcript of what a standup says, you're not learning how to write prose other than brevity, you know, the right. value of brevity, right. Uh, not using words where you don't need them. And, uh, but character development, relationship arcs, story structure, series arcs, all of it comes from yeah. both stand-up and television writing. You uh, mentioned an interesting thing earlier about blind submitting to book agents, mm-hmm. um, or as they're called, I believe, literary agents. Why don't I have a fact checker? <laughs> I don't have a fact checker. I'm just in my office. I got nobody. They are called the cats that, yeah. <laughs> 
So did you literally just look them up and hit them up blind with a resume on top of a manuscript, a resume of your TV work on top of your... Yeah, there's a process. Fortunately, the internet has helped. I didn't have to lick envelopes, but you, I looked up like who represents uh, in the mystery genre. Right. And I would just, I sent them what's called a query letter. Hey, I wrote this book. It's so many words. This is a brief description. And here's a little bit about me. And would you like to see any of it? And some would say yes, some would say no. And then I'd send off three chapters or so to those who wanted to see it. And some would Uh want to see the entire book and some wouldn't. And there were a few who were interested in it. The crazy thing about the book world is no matter how successful of an author you hear about, they have a million rejection letters sitting in their Uh file cabinet, whether it's jk rowling or stephen king or it's just a process so you find the person who's passionate about you and 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 then once you get out there once your books are out there uh you know i'm traditionally published so i have some marketing behind me which helps but there's trade journals with the libraries and in the publishing industry and it's a very slow word of mouth build kind of thing sort of so to build your brand in in that world takes a little more time it does not for everybody some people have a bestseller right out of the gate but most of the people especially in the crime fiction world uh uh michael Connolly, you know it didn't happen until the sixth book i think stephen king hit it right out of the gate with uh was his i i yeah I, I'm Carrie was his first book. Um, Here's what I'm going to think... just hire a fact checker. I, I, I can't <laughs> between you and me. There's some just, kid is getting a job from UCLA. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> none of it's true. No, no. Uh, yeah. No, but, but yeah, that's, I mean, and the... is that daunting at some point you've got to look at, the private investigator crime mystery a genre and just go killer author, killer author. Oh, she's good. Killer author, unbelievable killer author. And that whole shelf is, I mean, it's, yeah, there's a lot of good writing in that genre. Yeah. And I chose that genre because I could take my decades of comedy writing experience, put it in the voice of my narrator. Right. And, and then tell a serious story. So I, in that the, way, you may have an edge in the sense that you've got some uniqueness to a central yeah. character that maybe other a, writers can't bring. A Jewish PI in Minnesota around a bunch of Scandinavians. So, I mean, I have my own niche in that way. But right. clearly, some of the books you mentioned, the authors, Dashiell Hammett and Raymond yeah. Chandler, huge influences on me. Right, right. Yeah. And now I'm moving out of the PI genre and into standalone books. Right, yeah. right. Man, that twist sponsored by Nugentix. Wiener pills directly from Ted Nugent and J.C. Penny, dressing homicide detectives for over 60 years. Back to you, Jeff. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so it, it, now these book tours, you have to go on a book tour soon. Yeah. Is this anything like the road for stand-up? No. Nothing. Um, it, <laughs> Not even good liquor. It sounds like <laughs> it was so liquor. quick. 
<laughs> oh, they're okay. Well, you know, of what I remember, because I did stand up a long time ago, what I remember of the road was you walk around a shopping mall all day. <laughs> you know, you, you, you're killing time. You're trying to work. Uh, you're usually not in the most ideal working situation. You're in a club condo, condo or a holiday inn or something. It's horrible. And then you go to the show and you stand around a lot and you get up and do your thing and you wait right. till everybody's done. Then you go out and eat ribs and then you go home and sleep till <laughs> noon. And then you go to the mall again. <laughs> it's predictable. The book world thing. is you, you go to a bookstore. There's people who really want to see you. Um, you know, you don't get heckled at, at book signings and, uh, and then <laughs> you go good. out for a nice dinner and then you go to the next town. Yeah. That's uh, now, how long is it? How long is it? Like they're, how many they're cities not very long. Oh, I'll this one I'll do several s- cities in the Midwest and then I'll go down to South Carolina and do a few there and then I'll go to LA and Phoenix and do some there. That'll has, be it about. Has it come full circle? Is Hollywood now interested in doing a Nils Shapiro a la Fletch? Is anybody sniffing around going, hey, maybe there's a series of or a TV <laughs> show or a streaming series or something? Yeah, it comes up once in a while. I hear things, you know, I know way you're more about pri- that. You're not privy to them, but you hear. <laughs> no, they, they say, people hey, are like talking. people want, you know, free options and things like that. Yeah. I'm like, well, let me, I mean, let me know what you want to do. But it's, uh, I know so much more about that business still. Yeah. The show business than the book business, even though my fifth book's coming out that I'm, that I just don't hold my breath for that at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have plenty of author friends who get optioned and they're all excited. I'm like, just, just settle down. You know, the chances <laughs> of something becoming a show is so slim. Um, I, so we'll see. I mean, I don't, it's interesting. PI stories do not have a lot of traction in the States. They do way more in Europe for some huh. reason. And, wow. you know, I thought it might change if you, because there used to be a lot of cop shows in the 60s here. Right. And then Vietnam happened. And then you want a more counterculture figure out investing your crimes. And then you have Rockford. Right. And, you know, you get that kind of thing. And PI took off. And then 9-11 happened. And people want the men and women in blue again. Right, right. And I right. always thought it would flip back, but it hasn't yet. Not yet. Right. No. But I think it will. I think it's always a pendulum. Um, yeah. Now, but first of all, because I, I just came up with two thoughts and I'll lose them both because I'm 103 years old. I better blurt them out. Uh, <laughs> the, the, see, I've already lost it. Just talking about. No, wait a second. It was, uh, it was this. Um, uh, was there a thought in the back of your head ever when you were in television? Uh, or in the business out here where you saw at least partially some writing on the wall and said, you know, maybe it's time to move into books because of streaming services, even though there's a lot of good drama out there, but as you pointed out, they tend to be drama dramas, not sort of human interest dramas, not a lot of humor in them. Was there ever a time creatively or even from the, the cold hard facts of the business going, I'm white, I'm getting older, let me get, you know, maybe it's time to pursue this other dream I have. 
Well, for me, it, you know, if you ever look at the odds of making it, you would never even start. So I tried not to look at those business factors as much. For me, it was more about my personality. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm super introverted. I'm an introvert with social skills is what I am. But being in a room full of writers and other production people for 60, 70, 80 hours a week was exhausting for me. Yeah. And and I always wanted more of a work by myself situation just to fit my personality. Sure. And and book writing offered that for me. I mean, I'm quite ha- I love my days. Uh yeah. where I'm just writing books. So, it was always a hope I just no medium is better than any other medium, but I always w- was touched most by books and hope to be able to write books someday. And so so it was more about that. I, yeah. I always tried to not think of the business dynamics going around me because I was afraid I would just quit. <laughs> yeah. If I did, because it, yeah, it's so daunting. Point. Yeah. yeah to, to trust a more accurate compass is uh, probably wise. And, and your, um, your internal compass is always going to be the most accurate. Your creative compass is going to be the one yeah. that pushes you, pushes you in the right way. Man, that little interchange sponsored by Rocket City, the jet blue of space travel. And of course, River Glance, the Irish dance sensation where only their eyes move. Uh, all right, a couple of quick tips. <laughs> before Man, I miss sh- chat. <laughs> before, before we shuffle off, uh, on your journeys on these uh, book tours and from your days on the road, do you have a, 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 a worst gig? Or it could be TV too, but because you just mentioned 70, 80 hours a week in a room with the same people for, you know, sometimes several years in a row. Yeah. Um, it, you know, when you think of all the jobs you've done, and it sounds like this probably won't qualify because you're on your own and you're not self loathing. So I can't imagine you have too brutal of a day. Oh, I'm self loathing. All right. <laughs> Hold on there, pal. I have my comedian card. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, what, what, what's a gig that stands out in your mind? And you just go, Oof. you know, I, this gig wasn't as horrible for me as it was for the audience. It's one of my favorite things ever. And it goes all the way back to stand up. There's a local stand up and promoter who sadly we lost recently in the twin cities named scott hansen and scott put together a show called the good the bad and the ugly and it was three comedians on the road and i don't know who was the good and the bad and the ugly but the three comedians were me a very nice man and perfectly funny guy named tom Baumgartner, sure and a guy many of your audience will know named tom arnold and Tom Arnold was not famous in, is he, yet. Right. He was not nationally famous uh, or even locally famous at that point. <laughs> but he, Scott would send us out to smaller cities like Mankato, Minnesota, and Rochester, Minnesota, where all they knew of stand-up was The Tonight Show and they were basically afraid. Everybody was a, these nice Minnesotans. They were afraid of nightclubs. And they went into these shows scared to death, scared to death. 
And I would go up first. And, you know, when I was 25, I, well, I was younger then. I was 22. I looked about 14. Yes, and that's true. So, and I had a very clean act. And they'd see me and they'd go, oh, this is a very nice boy. He's okay. <laughs> and then Tom Baumgartner would go up and do jokes about selling insurance, which was his day job. And they'd say, right. oh, he seems like a perfectly reasonable young man. <laughs> and and the audience would relax. And they would basically <laughs> At take just off, the their, wrong time, they would off relax. <laughs> their shells, their armor, their Minnesota stoic Scandinavian guard. They would let it all down. And then Tom Arnold would go up there and eviscerate them. <laughs> and to the point where people were leaving in droves <laughs> <laughs> and, and every time it was great fun for me to watch. It was horrible for the audience. That was a really cruel thing. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm sure that's like at a uh, at a budgetel banquet hall. You know, oh, they're, yeah. they're never official clubs. or rooms. No, they were never official no. clubs. They were like the the Mississippi room <laughs> at the Sheridan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was uh, and Arnold was he doing the Goldfish Act at the time? He was doing the Goldfish Act then. He was, which in, I will admit, I loved. I got yeah. admit. Tom uh, is a great it, comedian and a very yeah. nice man. In those days, he was not on his best behavior. No, uh, but yeah. hugely funny instincts. And when he wants to eviscerate someone, oh, it's you, you don't really stand a chance. Professionals, perhaps. Uh, yes. stand a chance, but a, a civilian there's, you know, you're not matching which with Tom Arnold. He'll beat you every time. No, every time. And, uh, <laughs> so and so, just... yeah. And I, I had a, t- you know, we all had terrible road gigs, <laughs> but still, they, that's yeah. To just think of people talking for weeks about a guy who, who put two goldfish <laughs> In I plastic, my tools. mother for her seventieth birthday, and he made a reference to sleeping with her. That is not okay. <laughs> uh, that's great, awesome. Any travel tips you have? Because you're you're still on the road. Look at you. Started as a stand up, going to Manhattan. I know. I'm going back out. I'm still looking for the perfect device charger, like one thing that can charge everything. Yeah, the phone, the think... Apple Watch, the computer. The headphones, I just want there to be, there should be like a severe, a sphere of electricity that you can just open it up, put your crap in, shut it, and it just charges. Sure. Uh, put yeah. that on the uh, on the desk in the hotel room instead yeah. of seven different brands of tea that you're never going to brew because <laughs> everything tastes like coffee coming out of that freaking pot. So nobody's oh. brewing anything in their room. They can go downstairs now and get a cup of coffee for free. Yeah. So put the, the sphere of energy. The sphere of energy that your stuff can go into. <laughs> then you can play basketball and you just take yeah, your there iPhone. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> try to get it in for nothing. Matt, uh, thank you so much. This was a blast. My, uh, my guest today, folks, uh, the talented Matt Goldman. Here are the books that he has written that uh, he'll tell you how to find them and everything. But uh, Gone to Dust featuring these four, I believe, feature um, Nils yeah. Shapiro. Great, great, great character for a, for a private eye. Gone to Dust, Dead West, The Shallows, and Broken Ice. And then you're now you're branching out, and you're a, a standalone book, a Caroline Carolina Moonset. Is that it? Correct. That is it. That's and uh, that's got to be. I would think in the world you're in, 
a bit daunting to, so, so you're, you're on a nice big ice flow. That's these, these PI books. And right. now you're getting in a groove and then all of a sudden it's like, oops, I got to step over to this little ice flow over here and see if I can float on that. Yeah. I like that. I like the change new characters, new, you know, only so many people want to read PI books. Um, right. uh, and this is more of a family mystery family drama yeah family drama so you just you kind of you walked on water over to the next ice flow well i had a, such a nice analogy built there and I just went, yeah I like if there's it. ice it all works yeah <laughs> sure you're in minnesota why not uh matt where do we find you uh facebook or twitter or uh or uh, yeah i'm on facebook i'm on twitter i'm at mattgoldman.com my books are available uh you know Many independent bookstores, uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all over the place. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's is it uh, mattgoldman.com? Is that a, a central sort of clearinghouse for some of this stuff, or is the publisher have a no? Is there your Facebook page? The publisher, if you go to Macmillan's website, uh, there you can get the books through there as well. Yeah. And a good geography book from 1973. There you go. Matt, thank you so much. This was a great. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Follow me on Twitter at real Jeff Cesario. My album. What was I thinking? This guy's writing books. I managed to crank out one album in the last 15, 17 years. Uh, But no, it's new Uh, streaming everywhere. Actually, I recorded it at Acme in Minneapolis. We had a great time. I love that club. Yeah. Uh, The play with pain mugs are available at jeffcesario.com. And I'm so close, everybody to getting a check from Cafe Press. Uh, they, t- they keep most of the money. And then they don't pay until your $1.25 per mug adds up to you know $7,000 or whatever. I don't know what the minimum is. But I need a check is what I'm saying. So if you're in the mood for a Father's Day gift or a Mother's Day gift, uh, it's a great gift because it's just a mug. Comes in a box, slap a bow on it, you're done. Uh, so go to jeffsaceri.com. You'll find those there. Look for me, hopefully soon on the road. I'm going to post some tour dates and... Um, and uh, and get back out there. Why not? And probably return to Minneapolis, uh, speaking of Acme Comedy Club. Uh, so do all of that, folks. And of course, uh, uh, you can find Matt everywhere on uh, Facebook. Go to McMillan's page and you'll find all his books there. They're, they're tremendous. You got to do it. Read. Read more. Uh, Chet, what do you got cooking? Oh, this weekend I'll be in Mount McCracken, Wyoming, calling the 13th annual Drunk Giant Slalom for Skilarious.com. First one down the hill wins, dead or alive. Sponsored by Tempurapedic, the lightly fried adjustable mattress, and my pillow case. Make any pillow your pillow with my pillow case. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.